Let me say a very special good evening to our listeners. Let me welcome you to this edition of This Week in Interview. Our special guest this evening is Honorable Ron Green, who is leader of the United Workers Party. Ron Green joins us from Dominica. And let me just say a very special good night to you, Honorable Green, and welcome to This Week in Interview. Thank you, uh, Thompson. Let me say good night to you and to all the listeners, including my two daughters, Malaika and Josina, who are listening in Brooklyn, and to all Dominicans, wherever they may be, um, listening to your program. Thanks a lot for uh, the invitation to talk with you tonight. Well, I'm glad that you agreed to come because, you know, we have quite a lot to talk about. Um, we have been hearing quite a bit about what's going on since the elections in Dominica. We will talk about the elections a little later. But I wanted okay. to go straight almost immediately, um, Ron, to the, to the issue um, of the lawsuit that Un United mm -hmm. Workers' Party actually brought against the Prime Minister. Now, there's been quite a lot of discussion about it and a, a lot of misinformation, I believe, about just exactly what the suit is all about. Um, can you just tell us what prompted that action on behalf of your party? Well, first of all, the, the suit that you refer to is called an election petition, and there are five of them. There are five election petitions that the United Workers' Party filed in the courts uh, within the 21-day uh, deadline that is uh, the law uh, to issue any complaints in regard to uh, the election. Um, there was one for the Laplaine constituency, which was filed on my behalf, there is one for the um, Roseau South constituency. There's one for the St. Joseph constituency. There's one for the Carib, Terry Carib Territory constituency. And there's one for the Vekas constituency, which is filed by Maynard Joseph. So each of the candidates in each of those constituencies filed the, uh, the election petition. So the one that you're particularly referring to is the one filed in the Vekas constituency by Maynard Joseph. Yeah. Okay, and, and what exactly are these suits about? If you can just kind of go through them quickly, and then we'll focus on, of course, the, the one from Vekas. But what exactly is the one from La Plaine, and what, what does that um, involve? Well, all of the suits incorporate some of the main concerns and the main complaints that we have about this general election that was held on the 18th of December 2009. Um, we are very concerned about the issue of democracy in our country, and very concerned that the elections manifest uh, uh, a movement away uh, from uh, democracy. And if the elections are ever to occur as they did on the 18th of December uh, 2009, I think we will be in a very disastrous position in regard to democracy. Um, so the suits include, one, the question of what happened at the state media, the media, DBS and GIS, owned by the people of Dominica, um, where we, the opposition parties were blocked from any access to DBS radio and to GIS. Um, that's one. It includes the issue of what we call international bribery. That is to say the paying and the providing of transportation and money for Dominicans living overseas to come home and vote where charter flights were uh, engaged for that purpose in large numbers, and we can talk about that in some detail. It includes what we call local bribery and inducement, where num monies and materials over a period of weeks and months preceding the election were given 
to a number of individuals in key constituencies in a selective manner in order to induce them to vote for the Dominica Labour Party. Um, and it includes other, other concerns, like, for example, the question of uh, citizenship, which is in the case of Prime Minister Skerritt and also in the case of the candidate that was my opponent here in La Plaine. So those are some of the items that are incorporated in all of the petitions. For example, in my particular case, um, I was able to cite 52 persons who, by name who I was able to identify who arrived from overseas on election day or the day before, voted and left the next day. Um, and there were a number of others who were not included. So my estimate is between 70 and 80 Dominicans that were paid uh, and induced uh, to come to Dominica and vote to the Dominica Labour Party in the Lapland constituency against me. So that is incorporated in my uh, petition uh, uh, as one of the components. So there are many details. I'm, of course, the matter is going to court. There's not a lot, lot, not a lot of the details that we could go into in, in, in very fine detail, but I'll be uh, happy to answer questions that I can. Yeah, yeah sure. On, with regards to Lapland, what's you, what's your, what you're contesting is not the fact that overseas Dominicans came to vote, but that they were induced, they were given some kind of, of, of bribe or monetary incentive to vote. Correct. Is that correct? That is okay. correct. And yeah, in fact, we have absolutely nothing. Let me just make that point, because that comes up over and over. We have absolutely nothing about those who are, nothing against those who are on the registration list. That is to say, they are voters who are registered and entitled to vote, who live overseas and um, visit Dominica once every five years. That's the law. Uh, if they are able, and we uh, encourage them to come home and vote and participate in the democratic process, but to the extent that their ticket is paid and they are given cash and they are done so in a manner specifically to vote for the Dominican Labour Party, that is against the law, and that is what we're concerned about. I understand, but also people have been saying, why is that different from, say, a party in Dominica providing bus transportation to transport somebody, say, from their home to the polling station. What is different between that and bringing somebody from overseas since they're physically not in Dominica? I wouldn't use the well, same I think the thing. fundamental difference is that it's against the law. The law says that uh, to bring somebody from across the seas, from overseas, to and, and do so in a manner where they are paid and induced to vote, that is against the law. Now, locally, we're talking of a vast difference in terms of the actual amount of money. I mean, you pay a transportation for somebody from Roseau to come up to vote in La Plaine and, and to go back down, you're talking 20 EC dollars maximum in terms of the transportation cost from Roseau to La Plaine and return. Uh, obviously, if you're talking New Jersey, where La Plainians, many La Plainians live, to Dominica to vote and come back, what are we talking about? We're talking about perhaps in the vicinity of 1,000 U.S. dollars. So, I mean, it's a vast difference in terms of the amount of money, but the fundamental difference is the question of the law. The law does specifically mention people com coming from overseas uh, to, to, uh, and paid and induced to vote. Uh, that is against the law. So, in that case, are you then asking the court to set aside the results of that election because it was deemed to be um, fraudulent? Correct. That is one of the aspects of the petition. In my case, also, there was the question of the fact that on the preliminary count, I won the seat. Uh, I was said to have won the seat by two votes. And on the final count the next morning, I was said to have lost the seat by two votes. It means, and in the, in the final count, they took 
away a number of votes that what they call rejected them. And it is my contention in the in the petition that these rejected votes actually belong to me. So uh, that's another aspect. So there are about four or five aspects of the petition, one of them being bribery, the other one being the question of the miscount and the rejected ballots, and there are other aspects in media and so on. Now, in terms of the rejected ballots, are these ballots on the wrap? In other words, will they reappear in court as, as evidence? Will there be a recount during the court trial? I would expect the judge to make a decision on that, and something is difficult for me to say, but my expectation, I think the general expectation of Dominicans, is that once the matter, and it was clear on the day, the final count, and I said so to the returning officer, and my lawyer said so to the returning officer, that the matter will go to court, that I presume that all of the uh, ballots would have been secured properly and kept in a secured place so that should the judge require to look at them, that would be, uh, they would be provided. Okay, I'm glad you were able to clarify that part of it. Now let's talk about the case against the Prime Minister because it involves the question of citizenship. And a lot of people have been asking about this particular instance um, because what is, the, what is the allegation there with regards to the citizenship of the Prime Minister? Well, it basically refers to a section in the Constitution, Section 32.1a, which um, uh, says, and let me see if I can get it. I thought I had it close at hand. It says that, um, should I go ahead and read it to you? Yes, please do. Uh, uh, 32.1 in the Constitution says, a person shall not be qualified to be elected or appointed as a representative or a senator uh, if he Section A is by virtue of his own act under any acknowledgement of allegiance, obedience, or adherence to a foreign power or state. And I think the key section there is by virtue of his own act. So it is alleged, and it is part of the petition, that uh, by his own act, Prime Minister Skerritt uh, attained as an adult um, French citizenship. And therefore, um, according to the law, he um, has uh, is not eligible. So uh, he is not eligible. Now that is very interesting because a lot of people has, have have been saying, for example, that you are a green card holder. Uh, I think Bernard Wilshire and probably Edison James have British passports. How is that different from the citizenship of the Prime Minister? Well, it's a question of the law again, because the law allows for Commonwealth citizens. And it also says, by his own act, my own uh, citizenship uh, of the U.S. was a matter that came up in 1995, interestingly, by Brian Allen himself, who raised it um, in the, when I was elected in 1995 as a member of parliament for La Plaine. And it was clear then that it was not of my own act. It was a citizenship that was a result of my mother applying for me as a, a young boy in America, and um, that is how I attain the citizenship. Okay, I'm glad I'm glad you're able to clarify that because a lot of people get confused, I believe. Now, now the the court has been has been asked to rule on whether or not, and I think it boils down to that because I have been hearing as well that the the prime minister um, actually got his citizenship as a as a child. That's what he claims. Yes, um, and I guess this again is a matter for the court to decide. 
And that's where the details come in. Um, that is his claim. He said so publicly. It's stated in a letter that he wrote. And, um, you know, that will be determined, I suppose, in the court. All right. Now, while, while you don't want to prejudge the way the court is going to rule or what kind of evidence is going to come before the court, but I, I recall that the Prime Minister held a press conference sometime last week, and he was adamant that you would have to bring some kind of evidence without uh, divulging any information you think we should not know. Um, but can you tell us what type of evidence would you would you have that could actually confirm that the Prime Minister is in fact, or in fact got this, this when he was an adult? No, I can't tell you that. That's a matter that will become brought to the court, and I think it would prejudice the, 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 uh, the matter that we're bringing to court if we were to um, discuss any details of that. Um, but it is there is a petition. It has been filed. It has been served, and I presume the court will tell us shortly when it is going to be heard. We expect that to be any time. Okay, but you're you're sufficiently confident that you have the evidence that you could take before the court. Well, it doesn't make sense taking a matter to court if you are not uh, able to substantiate what you take, huh? what you take forward. So. That's all I can say on the matter. Okay, great. Uh, Rangan, what what do you say to the to the many people, okay, who who look at the prime minister and say, listen, the Dominican Labour Party won overwhelming majority in the last election. They won more than sixty percent of the popular vote. And I would the use people, the word one. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Sure. Mm. And the people of Dominica got them back in power. Why are you? Why is the United Workers Party? trying to fought the will of the people if the people so overwhelmingly voted him in why are you by this action trying to fought the will of the people how would you respond to that well we are absolutely for the will of the people once it is done fairly and freely and we contend that in truth and in fact it was not free and fair that there are a number of of matters that were engaged in by the Labour Party led by Skerritt that caused that election to be fraudulent. Um, we do not think that it was uh, a matter of, if it was in fact a free and fair election, we, we would be in Parliament right now in opposition and, and doing the role that we have been accustomed to doing uh, since 2000. We did it in 2000 in opposition. We played uh, uh, what I consider to be an honorable role in, in opposition, bringing forward rigorously the issues of the people of Dominica as best we could. And we did so again in 2005. Despite concerns we had then, you would recall in 2005 that there were certain irregularities and that we did um, try to bring some to the courts. There were technical problems that prevented them from getting into the courts at the time. And I have made statements in public on many occasions that that election, May the 5th, 2005, was a most irregular election and a more, perhaps the most corrupt election in our political history since uh, contemporary elections in 1960. We went on from, in, from the 5th of May, 2005, to have a series of events calling for electoral reform, recognizing the flaws and the irregularities of the uh, 2005 election. We called for electoral reform. Um, we had protests. We had letters. We went to the president. There were delegations. We called for four things, basically. One, ID cards, because we felt that it was important that person A going to vote should be the person A that is on the registered list. 
and we had situations where there were dead people on the list, and there were others that were going to vote and impersonating um, certain individuals. So we felt an ID card was an essential element we needed for banks, we needed for almost every activity that we perform in modern life today. So for elections, which happens once every five years, so critical to our democracy, we should have an ID card. That's one of the items we call for in the electoral reform. And we can go into that in detail because we basically believe that this was a fair and just request and that it was blocked by Prime Minister Skerritt, deliberately prevented from happening when the Electoral Commission, in fact, made certain moves because that's the relevant uh, constitutional body to uh, take the action to get ID cards. They made certain moves to have ID cards put in place and they were blocked by Prime Minister Skerritt. We need to ask the question why. But the second concern and the second call that we had in the context of electoral reform was for the um, access, fair access to the state media. We also called for international observers and the, uh, the fourth, there were four clear issues and the, the cleansing of the list, which means removal of dead persons from the list and removal of others who were not supposed to be on the list according to the law. So this had been echoing since uh, 2005. There were, in fact, uh, street demonstrations. There was a white paper that the opposition parties, uh, PDM and the Freedom Party, jointly with the United Workers Party, uh, put together, making the case for electoral reform. So it was an issue of strengthening our democracy, which we, had, we have had uh, you know, for for going on 50 years, and we felt that uh, this was a just and fair request. Of the four issues that we called for, it was only international observers that uh, were uh, made available uh, for this present election on the 18th of December. So I I hope it's not a long, long answer to the question or the concern that you express, but um, that is the background to the situation today that uh, leads us to a, a, a conclusion that it was a deliberate, systematic, planned effort on the part of the Skerritt-led Labour Party to abort and to fraudulently get themselves back into power in this election that was held in December 18, 2009. Okay, let me remind our listeners that you're listening to This Week in Interview. I'm your host, Thompson Fontaine. Our special guest tonight is leader of the United Workers' Party, Honorable Ron Green. Uh, Ron, concerning, uh, are there any parallels between what is happening now with with those petitions before the court and what happened in Jamaica last year after the elections when there were some petitions? Do, can we see any, any sort of parallel or, or can we make a comparison between the petitions that have been brought before the courts in Dominica and what well, happened in Jamaica following the elections? Well, Thompson, to be quite honest, I am not aware of the details of those petitions that were brought in uh, in Jamaica. Um, I have seen some things that came out in, in early 2009. I'm not sure is that you're referring to. Yes, uh, it basically it involved uh, some individuals who had dual citizenship and who contested the elections, at, at least two of oh, them, yes, yes. Um, who contested the elections, and then they were brought before the courts, and then both of them end up losing their, their seats. They had to forfeit. The, re- the reason why I'm, I'm asking this is because I'm trying to understand, uh, let's assume we don't know which way the courts are going to come out, and we don't want to prejudge the ruling of the court, but assuming that you are successful 
with the petition against the prime minister what would happen in this case for example in jamaica the the people who lost they had to actually forfeit in other words it was no longer a question of a by-election. The, the the victory went to the individuals who, who lost, to those two who had to give up. Would a similar type situation obtain in Dominica if, for example, you were to be successful in the courts? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's entirely up to the court. Um, but um, I am aware that a number of the prerequisites that were required, that is to say that a public statement of the, the fact that um, um, the Prime Minister was a French citizen. Um, notices, etc., were put up in the constituency. Um, so again, it will be up to the judge to determine um, exactly what is the, the action that will be either a by-election or, as you mentioned in the case of Jamaica, a situation where the person, in this case Maynard Joseph, would be declared the parliamentary representative of the Vekas constituency. That is a possibility. Again, it's up to the judge. Oh, so from your reading, it's not clear that it, it could go either way. It depends on, on the way the judge rules. Um, I think it could go, well, again, yes, I'm not a lawyer by any mm. means, um, but yeah, it, 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 I get the impression that it could go uh, a number of ways. Okay. By-election, Mm -hmm. or um, an actual loss of the seat where the uh, the the opponent will be declared the the parliamentary representative. Okay, what, how soon can we expect to hear this this the, those cases? Is is some a matter of weeks, months? Is it? I wish a I year? could tell you. Uh, according to uh, our understanding, it, these matters should be dealt with with a certain level of dispatch because the election, in fact, today is the seventeenth, so we're talking about two months, eh? December to January to February, yeah, two months since the election. And uh, it is uh, an election matters, election petitions is expected that they would be held uh, and heard fairly quickly you know, in order to facilitate the movement of government and the, and the processes that are required in the state. No. So I, we expect mm -hmm. it soon, but uh, it's difficult to tell you, Tom. We have no word yet. We are waiting word ourselves. Okay. Given, given all of what has transpired, in, firstly in Jamaica and now in Dominica, there have been increasing calls, um, notably from um, the Prime Minister of Barbados, where he called for some kind of reform in the Constitution that would ad address the issue of dual citizenship. Um, do you think that this is, that this is appropriate, or, or, would you, or do you believe that the, the Constitution as it is, is is good and 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 um and there is no need for reform in that sense no there's absolutely a need for reform and i think certainly that is one of the issues that could be put on the table for consideration you i mentioned the our uh, efforts at electoral reform since 2005 now these are just the four points that we called for um were what we considered very very basic there's certainly other issues of campaign finance and a whole range of issues that need to be looked at um, and we were very um, fortunate just after the election to have had uh, the opportunity to meet three heads of state in St. Kitts, a delegation of Dominica, Honorable Edison James, uh, Judith Pestner, the leader of the Dominica Freedom Party, and myself went to St. Kitts. And we met with Honorable Ralph Gonzalez, the Prime Minister of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. We met with uh, Baldwin, Honorable Baldwin Spencer, the Prime Minister of Antigua. And we met with the Honorable Stevenson King of uh, Prime Minister of St. Lucia. And we made the points that what has happened in Dominica should never happen again in Dominica or anywhere else in the region. And that we need 
urgently as a region, OECS and CARICOM, to consider. In fact, we also met with Dr. Carrington, and we made the point that we need to consider the issue of electoral reform and look more closely at what is happening in our region in regard to free and fair elections and ensuring that we're able to strengthen the democracies that we have enjoyed for the last uh, 40 or 50 years. Hello. Yes, yes. Um, let's talk a little bit about the conduct of the 2010 elections. Um, how how does the 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 way the election itself was conducted in terms of of everything that was done? How how was it different from say the elections of 2005 and 2000? How was it different? Yes, I mean, what uh, makes what makes uh, 2010 so so special in your view? Because some of what happened this year in 2010 happened in 2005. For example, people were brought from overseas. Um, ostensibly, the prime minister could have already had his his passport from from France. What what makes makes 2010 so different in that respect compared to? Well, I think it was a in lot. Terms of the conduct, a lot more bold and a lot more brazen and a lot more open. And the information we had access to in 2009, the 18th of December, was far more available than than it was in 2005. I mean, we had uh, information regarding charter flights and detailed list of persons who were approached, uh, offered tickets, and etc., etc. Um, and it was much clearer, you know. I mean, some people had suggested that one of the approaches that could have been is that we, as a party, concerned about the issue of democracy, having campaigned for electoral reform for almost five years, should have boycotted the election because there were no, for example, no ID cards. as one of the specific uh, 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 calls that we made. But we felt that the level of awareness on the part of our people in regard to our democracy and the need to strengthen it was not as high as it should be and that a boycott might not have been effective but clearly no after this 18th of December uh, election everyone in the country a vast majority I think of our people uh, have seen with their own eyes and witnessed themselves what has happened in that election and um, right now the boycott for example which is one of the decisions we have taken of the parliament um, is 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 fully supported, um, certainly by the supporters of the United Workers Party. We got twelve thousand votes, and uh, by an interesting percentage of even Labour Party supporters who realise that what has happened on the 18th of December should not happen again. If if democracy is to is to be the way we go forward in Dominica. Okay. In case you're just joining us, you're listening to this week in interview. Our special guest is Honorable Ron Green of the United Workers Party. Let me remind our listeners that you can join the conversation. The number to call 301-458-7467, 301-458-7467, or you could send us an email, radio at the Dominican dot net talking of which uh mr green we, act we actually have a, a couple of questions already um yeah. by email that were sent in sent in earlier um and this color and i you kind of alluded to it uh, just a while ago with regards to the boycott and 
this this um writer who does not want the name mentioned um signed as anonymous wanted to know what who is the legal leader of the united workers party at this time according to the constitution okay well, uh, 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 mr green okay i'm going to ask you to, to hold on your answer for a little bit let's let's take this call that's coming in there and then we'll, we'll, we'll go back to this question yes hello good night you're on the air yeah, I was just double checking to see if I had the right number to call. Okay, so are you going to call later? Yeah, I'll call back. You'll call back. Okay, thank you. Okay then. Okay. Okay, um Ron, are you still with us? Hello? Yes. Okay, are you still there? I'm still there. Yeah. Okay, great. Um the caller who just called said he was just trying to make sure that he had the correct number and he was going to call back with a question in a little bit. So okay, probably you can sure. take this this question um coming by email and the 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 person was asking who is who's the legal leader of your party according to the constitution and what well, are, the leader what are, of the party mm -hmm. of the United Workers Party is determined by delegates at of the United Workers Party annually at the annual conference and uh, I was elected the leader of the party uh, and I remain at this moment the leader of the United Workers Party. Now by the same token are you, are you also still the leader of the opposition because there is some uncertainty about that are, are you also still the leader no. of the opposition no, you're no longer the leader of the opposition. Um, mm -hmm. I am on the first on the holding of the first parliament which was on the 4th of February I having not been at that time, a member of parliament, I no longer um, um, was the leader of the opposition. But um, there has been some debate about the issue in Dominica because um, the police commissioner and the deputy commissioner were appointed as act into acting positions uh, without the consultation of the leader of the opposition by uh, Prime Minister Spirit and the president. And this was unconstitutional. And in fact, it was the former Justice Brian Aline that made the point quite eloquently that uh, the leader of the opposition remains leader of the opposition until the first holding of parliament after the election. Um, so that between the 18th of the, or the 19th of December and the 4th of February, I was the leader of the opposition in, in the country. And that's a, a constitutional fact. So, and that was during the time within which the appointments were actually made? Correct. Okay. Now now what what well I guess that's that's also a legal question in terms of what could happen if the if the appointments were done illegally in terms of what type of redress because as far as I know these two gentlemen that were appointed still have the substantive positions. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um there's a lot of discussion as well about your decision the decision of your party to boycott parliament. And the question is why okay let me hold off on my question and take this call that's just coming in there sure yeah yes hello good evening good evening yes oh yeah i have a well i think it's more of a statement first and then a question okay go ahead one of the criticisms i personally heard from a few family members and from some of my friends who were in dominica during the election um campaign and so on, was that Mr. Green is not, um, he's not, uh, he's not out there, that no one is hearing from him except from, except the, 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 the UWP uh, 
followers, everyone was hearing from Mr. James, so which is why I think that first question you asked, that's why the person asked that first question. So my question to him is, what does he think about that? And, you know, why do people have that perception? Um, I think that's it. Okay. Um, uh, Ron, I'm not sure if you heard the question because we have, we have a bit of difficulty in switching between the person calling and the person already on the lines. So I'm not sure if you heard the question, so I'll just repeat it. The, the, the gentleman who just called says that there has been some criticism in the past, some criticism about who really is the leader in the sense that people tend to hear more often from the former leader of the party, Edison James, as against from yourself. And so how would you... How, how, how would you? Was called in? Yes, yes. Okay, I was just hearing music. I was hearing some nice music in the background. I didn't oh, hear the question. <laughs> okay. No, I didn't hear anything. Okay, I think is is there is a... We have some technical issue with the with the okay. calls coming in, oh. and so it kind of puts you on hold. Um, okay. All right. Yeah, but so I will just have to repeat uh -huh. the question, kind of paraphrase it basically what no, he was asking yeah he was basically saying there, that there has been some criticism from what he's heard of his family and friends in dominica that there has been some criticisms in the sense that it appears that uh, mr james seems to be the one up there uh, having the press conferences and talking up as against you and, and and probably that's why the person was asking the question who is in fact the leader of the party how okay. would you respond okay. to that yeah well um let's face it huh uh, Honorable Edison James, the present uh, member of Parliament for Margaret, was the former Prime Minister of Dominica, and he's an outstanding political leader, and he has, in fact, uh, done uh, some excellent work in the Parliament of Dominica, and he has a different personality from yours, truly. Um, so he has, uh, he, and he continues to excel as president of the party. He is the president of the, Domin of the United Workers' Party, and uh, he continues to excel and lead the party as president. I'm the political leader, and uh, obviously, given his experience uh, as prime minister uh, and his regional work in Bananas, um, he would be the one, the point person on a number of issues that uh, we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think there has been, yes, that criticism has come up, but it, I suppose it's a question of style and, and personality. All right, very good. Let's let's go back to the question of the of the boycott and and the question there is why why boycott? Why not as some people have been asking, why not go to parliament and deal with the issues within that that setting? Well, you know, Thompson, comes a time when you have to take a stand. Eh? And uh, we've been in parliament since 2000 in opposition. Again, we're in parliament in 2005 in opposition. And um, we stood up vigorously on a number of issues that we thought were important for the development of the country. We raised a number of questions regarding issues of integrity, corruption, issues of uh, you know, whatever the issues were important to the country, agricultural development, specific issues regarding each constituency. Um, and generally speaking, we felt that uh, the experience was very frustrating. As a matter of fact, there was a question that we sought to ask in Parliament, which we consider to be a relevant question to get information regarding some of the corruption issues that were being revealed in the country. And as a result of action we took in Parliament, which was to stand up and, and raise the question and protest in when we were not given the opportunity to get an answer, uh, we had to go to court and we faced a fine of two, 
$106,000 if you're appealing the case right now, merely for asking a question in Parliament and standing up and protesting when we were unable to get what we considered to be an answer to the question. So the experience in Parliament has been one whereby um, one has to uh, take a stand from time to time on the issues that are important to the country. And I think right now, given the fraudulent manner in which this election was held, given the vast irregularities we consider, the fact that we have the five petitions in court, we felt the best way to make a clear statement on the importance of democracy to Dominica is to boycott the parliament at this point in time. And uh, we have, uh, as a result of the boycott, we were not present, we have not taken any oath. We have three elected members, that is Edison James, Honorable Norris Privo, and Honorable Hector John. As a result of the boycott, um, we have uh, called for four things, basically. One, fresh elections in 18 months. Two, the cleansing of the electoral list, all right, to ensure, especially the ID cards. Number three, some kind of formula to ensure fair access to the state-owned media, DBS and GIS. And number four, some assurances that the laws regarding bribery are going to be adhered to. This these are the basic uh, requests, the demands that we have put forward because we feel that what happened on the 18th of December 2009 should never, ever happen again in the history of Dominica. And the only way to dramatize and ensure that point is driven home, we felt, was to boycott the parliament. But in that event then, how, how much are you willing to, to push that particular issue because my understanding of the of the constitution is that if you're not seated for three consecutive um, sittings that there is some ruling that could actually invalidate the people who actually won is that the case firstly and and then how would you react to that well we will see we'll carry on the boycott as long as we think it's necessary um, it is clear that uh, the people of Dominica support the boycott and that uh, it is having its impact. And, of course, the reason for the boycott, as I said, is to strengthen our democracy and to ensure that the irregularities that took place during the 18th of December election are brought to the fore and are dealt with in some meaningful manner. Um, are you hopeful on, on that count? Are you, are you confident that, that we'll, in fact, see some changes, for example, the cleansing of the, of the, of the lease and, and um, the access, the, the critical issue of access, I think, that was not granted during the, the election? Do you believe that, that there will be some reversing on those issues? Well, I think it has to happen, eh, Thompson? It has to happen. If, if, I mean, I think Dominicans like yourself and a number of others who all over the world who have been following uh, our, our home country's issues have to, to be part of that process of insisting that uh, what we have as a democracy here is strengthened. It cannot continue to be attacked in the way it was attacked so blatantly uh, as it was in the 18th of December election. And I think uh, it's a, a, a mission, I think, for all Dominicans everywhere in the world. Um, that, you know, our democracy be maintained and strengthened. And if uh, the boycott is going to contribute to that awareness and that um, opportunity to, in fact, get some of those uh, issues dealt with, 
then uh, we were playing our part at this particular time in in the history of our country. Now, as a as a sort of um, of uh, not opposition, but as a, as another form, you you've started this People's Parliament. Can I just tell Correct, our yeah. listeners what exactly the People's Parliament is all about? Yeah, the People's Parliament is what we consider to be an alternative, uh, an opportunity for the issues that are important to the people of Dominica to be debated and discussed by all Dominicans. It's not uh, strictly a United Workers' Party event. It's open to Dominicans of all political stripes, of all concerns. Once they're concerned about the co our country, Dominica, we held our first one at Harlem Plaza. They were uh, very good attendance. I would you know, uh, say hundreds of people were present, and there was quite excellent discussion. And some people felt that for the first time they were understanding issues that uh, discussed or debated in, 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 in Parliament that they were not able to, to follow on, on the DBS. Now, I recall days back in the, in the 80s, Thompson, when um, people used to queue up eh, to go to Parliament. I remember myself right. queuing up mm -hmm. to, to go to Parliament and the excitement and the interest and, uh, you know, and following every word that was being debated in the Parliament. All right. That is not right. the case today. It has, it has dramatically slipped in terms of interest. I wonder what percentage of our people actually listen to the live, the live uh, radio broadcast of Parliament. And I think we have to find a way to re-energize that, put some new, new strength in it. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, the action that we're taking, perhaps, uh, the People's Parliament is, is certainly a way where, so far, we've held one. We have the second one coming up in, in March. We'll continue to reach out to the people to, to discuss the issues and give opportunities for our people in every corner of the country to, to participate in what we consider to be a democratic process. Uh, very well said. Um, you know, some of the, some of the, of the, I was talking to an individual who supports the government and his comment to me was that he was kind of surprised as to the, to the fact that so many Dominicans appeared willing to accept um, as it were, this eroding of some of the of the basic sense of uh, of decency and and in terms of the way the election itself was conducted, that is his biggest surprise was not that it happened, but that so many Dominicans seem to have accepted it. Is that also your yeah. sense on the ground that that yeah, Dominicans have seem to seem to have resigned themselves to this form of of doing business in Dominica? I would hate to feel that is the case. I mean, because that would severely dampen my own, you know, spirit. But because uh, I am very enthusiastic that our people are people that, uh, you know, are honest, hardworking, and look forward to, you know, a democratic process that is free and fair. Um, you know, there is clearly a concern that the amount of money spent and given away and the various activities undertaken by the Scarlet Labour government has eroded that, that sense. Given the fact that there's you know, increasing poverty and unemployment and lack of uh, jobs uh, and, and, and any sense that the, the agricultural sector, for example, which is so very important, particularly in the rural east and north, you know, um, there is no sense that, that these various sectors are, are providing any kind of economic uh, boost. Um, so in, in that context, you know, it, it is clear that um, something has to be done, and, um, um, you know, we are doing what we can. But I think that um, there is a worry that uh, civil society, for example, were very disappointed that uh, organizations and institutions that were able to speak up in the 80s 
and in the early 90s in Dominica, the churches, the trade unions, uh, and other NGOs seem to be relatively, you know, um, fragile, if if at all able to say anything at this point in time. I mean, it's not only the issue of the democracy that that uh, and the elections of, of the 18th of December, but it's the issue of all of the corruption allegations that are out there that have largely been unattended to and unanswered. And uh, to the extent that our people seem to be, you know, letting that, uh, putting, putting that under the rug, as it were, uh, that's a dangerous situation for the country. So I'm worried about that trend. Um, but basically, my spirit is still strong that our people are honest, hardworking, and uh, um, feel that democracy is the way to go. Great. Okay, let me remind our listeners that you're listening to this week in interview. Our guest uh, for the entire hour tonight is Honorable Ron Green, leader of the United Workers Party. You can join the conversation. The number to call 301 458 7467. That is 301 458 7467. Or you could send us an email to radio at the Dominican.net. That's radio at the Dominican.net. Um, Mr. Green, let's, let's look at the at a little bit of at your party and and as we we just got a, an email from a, another okay let's let's hold this foot as we take this other caller sure okay yes good evening caller um yes i i want to comment and ask some questions just to have some clarification i would say okay um what um i know he's not listening right now but you have to paraphrase for him yeah sure what? Yeah, what's the, the 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 objective? What's the main goal of um, the opposition right now? After taking them to court, and let's just say for some reason, like they found that you know, um, Donald Roosevelt's carriage can no longer be the um, party leader, and then you know, Mena Joseph comes to power. Would they have like let's just say a little bigger push in Parliament, and how is that going to affect everything that's going on so far? Okay. Mhm. Like, I, I want to hear his response first, and first. then, like, uh, I'll, I'll continue. Okay. All right. Well, okay, sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you, caller. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hi, caller. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, on. okay. Um, I'm sorry. What you'll have to do, you'll have mm -hmm. to, because of the way the lines are, are yeah, structured. I'll, I'll yes. Uh -huh. Okay, that'll work. That'll okay, work. excellent. Thank you very much okay, for your understanding. Okay, Mr. Green. Yes, the 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 caller the caller wanted to find out, and he has a follow up for you. But he wanted to find out what is the main goal. Um, how is that going to affect your party? Assuming he says, assuming that the prime minister actually um, is deemed to not be able to continue, and and Mena Joseph wins the seat in Vicas, then how does that affect your party? What difference does it make, really? That's the question that he's he's asking. Well, um, again, that is something that we will determine at, at a particular time. We are not going to prejudge the outcome of the election petitions. Whereas we have filed five, um, there could easily have been ten petitions. I mean, a number of constituencies you know, were uh, um, affected by the international bribery, local bribery, and the blockage of the uh, state-owned media. So we will take our decision as we go along uh, as what is best to do at a particular time. I understand that uh, 
uh, Prime Minister Skerritt has dismissed the matter, saying, well, even if there's five petitions, then we still have 13 seats. Uh, that's not, that's the, uh, an example of the casual and flippant manner in which he deals with the importance of our democracy. I think the issue is strengthening our democracy, putting in place the requirements so that we can all be assured that, that we have free and fair elections in our country in the future. So from your point of view, it is not just a question of this election. It's a question of, of Kamala safeguarding the integrity of the process going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely, Thompson. You could not have been better stated. Okay, whilst we wait for the for the caller to get back to us, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the the, the future. Okay, here he, here, here he comes. Yes, caller. Hey, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you see, that's, that's the exact, um, I would say, um, comment or reply that I was expecting from them. The thing about it, that the problem I'm having um, with the opposition is everything is on you know, fly-by-wire. Let's see what happens, and then you have to have a clear and concise plan and objective just in case. So the question that I ask in terms of if Mena Joseph goes over there, he should have told me, okay, if this happens, that's the scenario, that's what we're going to do going forward. If it doesn't happen, we have to do something else. So that's what I'm saying. A lot of people are not hearing the opposition. And if, they, um, if they're saying something is not clear and concise, there's no right, like, you know, good objectives that they have and setting forth. So that's why a lot of people didn't, didn't vote for them, because there's no clear plan what they're going to do for the country. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Mena Joseph lost by, like, you know, virtue, like, you know, Ruth Velskart had a hundred or something. Uh, Mena Joseph had a thousand plus. You mean, uh, you mean Prime Minister Skerritt had a thousand plus, thousand, thousand forty-one. Mena Joseph had one forty-eight, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like, mm -hmm. That was like a landslide and stuff like this. And I'm like, you know, by him answering me and telling me that, okay, we'll see what happens when the court decides. He should have already decided the, you know, if something goes out good, you know, like their way, they have one plan. And if it goes bad, they have another plan. But you can't say, well, we had like 10 and we only submitted five. Submit the entire 10. So everyone will hear what is going on. You see what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Very well said, caller. That's just my concern. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you for your intervention. I will relay that as best as I can to Mr. Okay. Green. I'm sorry you can't, he, can't, he can't hear you. Yeah, it's Brian. You know it's me. <laughs> okay, Brian. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Brian, for calling. Okay, um, Ron. Yes, mm. I'm. I'm going to try to paraphrase what the what the caller said. Uh, and okay. what he what he was saying is that um, he thinks that that in in some ways that this is probably part of the problem with the op the opposition in that you probably don't have a clear enough objective. So when he asked the question as to what you will do if you were to win, then he was expecting it to say, well, if we were to win, we will do this and the other. You know, very clear, very clear steps as to what you would you would do. And he also said the fact that you, you mentioned you have at least 10 violations, but you only put forward five. Why five? Why not go with everything that you had? And he was asking that, that question. Why, only, why do it in a kind of half-hearted manner? Because he felt that if all of these are violations, then all of that should be brought forward. How, how would you well, respond to that? It's not a question of, it's, it's absolutely not a question of being half-hearted. It's a question of resources. It's a question of the time frame in which to collect evidence. 
a number of matters which uh, have to be taken into consideration, and we had to go with those that were ready to go within the limits and the deadlines that are imposed by the court. Um, so, But we think, nevertheless, that those five will bring forward the main concerns that, that we have in regard to the election. Now, um, because there's so many options, I mean, I, I appreciate the question of being clear as far as objectives are concerned. Because there's so many options that could emerge out of the, the court case, the party is on top of the issue and, and considering it. And, uh, you know, we're a democratic party. We uh, meet regularly. We discuss all of the issues in regard to the country. And we'll take the decision that we think is best for Dominica um, when we are clear as to what of the various options that could emerge from the court are actually going to emerge. Okay. So I I didn't want to to be too speculative about, you know, there are so many different options. All right. So I hope that 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 helps to Mm. clarify for the the person who asked the question. Okay. With regards to... The future of the party. I mean, your party came on the scene, I believe, in 1985 for the first time, right? Well, we're 22 years old. 20, 22 years old. So you were, okay. Yes, we celebrated 21 years last year. 21 yeah. years. Okay. So around 87, you contested the 1990 elections and you won in 1995. Okay. And a lot of questions have been asked by a lot of people. Where does the United Party go from there, given the fact that, given the way you performed in the last election, what kind of future do you see for yourself as a party? Well, I mean, you say given the way we performed in the last election, I think, you know, in fact, we performed very admirably and they have absolutely no reason to hang our heads in shame or in embarrassment. In fact, we have our chins held held up high because I think we conducted a very admirable campaign. We stuck to the issues of the day. We stuck to the concerns of the people of Dominica, and uh, we stayed away from Maypui, and um, we put forward a program for clean and green Dominica we felt is the only way that our country can truly develop. Um, So I think there's a bright future for the party. We had nine new candidates contesting, and that is new uh, excitement, new energy, and new blood in the party. And I think United Workers Party is here to stay. Um, you know, when you, you, you phrase the question, given the way you performed, it sounds as if we performed badly. In uh, no, I wasn't, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't insinuating uh, that. I was, I was simply saying uh, that given, you know, and that's the reason why I went back to when you started 21 years ago. And yeah. you had quite a bit of momentum initially. Yes, that's correct. And, and some of that seemed to have gone out. And, and the question is, how do you reform yourself? How do you get yourself back in that position where you can, in fact, contend? And I, I know part of it has to do with the issues that we were discussing earlier, you know, in terms of the conduct of the, the elections and the way things were done. But part of it also has to do with the way you as a party see yourself and, and position yourself going forward. Mm-hmm. Well, we continue to deal with the issues that are relevant to the people of Dominica. We continue to uh, ensure that our parliamentary representatives and our various um, non-elected candidates and and representatives in various constituencies uh, work and and continue to ground with our people. And I think it's in that uh, process that we are able to keep the party alive and well, because, I mean, fundamentally, it is the, the, the importance is how we address the issues that are concerned to the people of our country. 
And uh, if we do so effectively in the People's Parliament, on the ground, as individuals in the constituencies, then we will continue to be a force that uh, will be important for Dominica's development. I think right now Dominica has taken a very dramatic turn on the negative side in regard to one, corruption and integrity, and two, now in regard to democracy. So I think uh, we need to heed and look in detail at what is happening to our country. And we'll continue to carry on the fight. We'll continue to carry on the struggle as the best we can to ensure the country goes forward. All right. On the issue of corruption, we have a, a question coming in by email. And this, the, the writer, Jeremy, wants to, wants to know whether after this case is heard in the courts, whether you intend to pursue the other instances of corruption that have been alleged, whether you're going to take any kind of action in the courts concerning the, 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 the fertilizer and the garbage bin, whether you as a party plans to pursue any of those issues? Well, certainly the issues are alive and they are not going to be allowed to go into the deep freeze. Um, we will continue to pursue them, we'll continue to seek answers. And one of the areas would be the question of the courts, and the other area would be in the area of mass action, of people uh, realize that the issues are, have been left unanswered, and uh, we will find the relevant ways to, to continue to keep them alive and well until they are settled, until there's full and complete clarity and transparency in regard to what has happened in regard to all of the corruption charges. Uh, no, Ron, I mean, hindsight is always, you know, as, as a 2020 vision. Yeah. But, but looking, looking back on, on the way the elections were conducted, looking, looking back at the, at the requests that were made with regards to cleansing of the lease and, and all the other things that were not done, in hindsight, should you have, your party have contested those elections? I know we need to have it earlier, but I want, I want, to, I want to, our listeners to, to get this clearly from you. Have, knowing everything that you know now, should you have contested, as a party, contested the last elections? Well, if we knew everything that we know now, um, it would probably have been better to boycott the election in advance. Um, but again, the key question is the awareness and the consciousness of the people of our country uh, on the issues um, that are so important in regard to a free and fair election. And uh, we think that uh, because of the blatant and bold and arrogant way in which this uh, irregular, these irregularities were, were conducted, that right now, the level of awareness and consciousness of our people is very high in regard to the uh, concerns for democracy and, and free and fair elections. So I think the opportunity now is much uh, better for our country to take a stand, to find a way forward to strengthen the democracy that is so precious to all of us. Uh, in the context of a boycott, I'm not sure we would have got the kind of understanding. Um, uh, hindsight is always, you know, as you say, 2020 vision. Uh, so it's difficult. It's a, it's a good question that you ask, but it's difficult to really say, you know, exactly what uh, would have been the best thing to do. But uh, clearly, a number of people have a feeling now, after they've seen what has happened on the 18th of December, that a boycott would have been the best thing in an advance, in advance of the election. Okay, we seem to have one final question from Brenda, and and she's asking, Ron, you had, she's saying that you had the information before. 
on the Prime Minister before the, the elections? Okay, I'm going to hold on to this question and take sorry, this you, call. Sorry, I didn't get that at all because you were interrupted a number of times. Go ahead, say it again. Okay, I'm going to take this call now from the scholar. Yes, good evening, caller. Yes, hi. Uh, Mr. Fountain, can, can you ask uh, Mr. Green? Can, can you ask Mr. Green about um, the legal fund? How, 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 how his party is going to raise money um, to pay for the legal bills that will be, certainly will rise as the as the trial continues, as the, the petition continues, as the court case begins. Okay. Because, because as you know that Mr. Skerritt has been suspect has a river of money, so um, money wins cases in many instances. So you can, can you talk about this? Okay. All right, thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. Okay. Yes, Ron, yeah. this question coming in from the caller he was asking about your legal fund he wanted to find out how he is he, assuming that this is going to cost quite a lot of money to pursue this case in the courts yes. and he was asking that, about that yes he was asking about your legal fund how is your party going up to pay for this that's a very very good question and i'm glad the question was asked at the, especially at the end um Clearly, it is an extremely costly item to take forward the petitions. Um, the cost is going to be 50,000 U.S. dollars. Uh, we have engaged a prominent Caribbean lawyer out of Trinidad that's working together with a group of seven Dominican lawyers who are all giving their services pro bono. Um, and we're going to need to find a way to raise that money. So we're calling on, on Dominicans. We will be having... Uh, two fundraising events in our country. We are also, uh, you know, at a party level, raising what we can. Um, but clearly, it's going to require uh, the support of Dominicans in every corner of, of the globe who are concerned about democracy in Dominica and strengthening what we consider precious to, to us and to our future. So, yeah, um, Thompson, um, there we do have a website um, which has uh, the mechanisms for making contributions through a, a PayPal account. Um, and there is, is a way in which um, contributions can be made to, to build up this fund so that we can pay for this, uh, this, uh, this, these uh, petitions. Okay, and the website is? Uh, it is unitedworkersparty.com. Unitedworkersparty.com, okay. Okay, well, uh, Ron, I think we are about out of time. Um, quite a very interesting conversation. And I'm sure we'll continue um, with that discussion as the, you know, as the case goes on and as we get more information. So let me thank you, firstly, and also thank all of our listeners who will be first tonight and for those of you who sent in emails and called into the program. Um, Ron, do you have any, any, final, any final words um, before we end tonight? Well, just to thank you, Thompson. Uh, keep up the good work. I know you have been a strong patriot who has uh, you know, shared a lot of information regarding the issues of uh, the country going forward, and I, I think what you're doing now is, is excellent work. And uh, you know, people like yourself, and of course, I have uh, publicly on many occasions praised people like Lennox Linton and Matt Peltier, for their work locally on the ground here in Dominica in terms of exposing the issues that are so important for us to understand as we 
plot a path to ensure that our country goes forward in a positive manner and that democracy is maintained and strengthened. So thanks a lot for the opportunity. And uh, let me thank all of those who called in and all of those who listened in. You know, you had some heavy music in the background there, Thompson. I mean, I, mean, um, I think it's, it, it, no, the listeners can't. Is, is the way the telephone okay. is set up, the telephone system is set right. up. Yes, okay. the listeners could not, could not hear it. Some heavy jazz music there. Oh, okay, because... Thanks a lot. Okay. Keep up the good work, and I'll be happy to talk with you any other time. All right, thank you very much, Ron. I appreciate it. And just to let our listeners know that you're listening, that you were listening to this week in interview, a copy of this podcast will be available in about 30 minutes time you'll be able to get a copy of this podcast on our website the dominican.net so in case you got only part of it in case you came in towards the end or you wanted to listen to this um, podcast of the interview again it will be available on our website in about 30 minutes time available at the dominican.net so again let me thank all of you for listening to this week in interview we will have for you another guest lined up again next week but let me just remind you of the activities that we're having for the rest of the week um for the remainder of this evening right after the show we have reggae nights and tomorrow we have um basically music from dominica for the entire day with dj sam out there out there in texas so if you want to hear good dominican music be sure to tune in all day tomorrow for the rest of this evening we'll have reggae nights basically a collection of reggae music from across the reggae world including our own local artists um tomorrow we'll be having tomorrow thursday we shall be having basically Dominican music all day long with DJ Sam. Then at 6 o'clock, we have Creole, Experience Creole, with our good friends, the low blacks out there in Toronto, Canada, will be joining us at 6 o'clock, 6 to 8 o'clock with Experience Creole. And then on Saturday at 5 o'clock, 5 to 7, I will be back on the radio with Scrapbook, Scrapbook where every and anything goes and this week on scrapbook on saturday we'll be discussing scams and frauds and we'll be telling you about a, a number of, of scams that have been that have been taking place and that a number of, of scams that dominicans have fallen prey to um, we'll be telling you about this we did a comprehensive investigation a couple of years ago we'll be letting you know about that we'll also be telling you more about this dominican who worked with the fbi to put in jail a few people from the Caribbean who were involved in having people um, marry for stay here in the United States. I mean, also tell you how to protect yourself from the increasingly rampant um, scams uh, on the internet. So you want to join us on Saturday, and of course we'll have your usual collection of great African music. So be sure to join me for Reggae Nights. Um, not for Reggae Nights. Join us tonight for Reggae Nights, but of course on Saturday for Scrapbook. And on Sunday, we will have all your favorite religious music. So let me just encourage you to continue to listen to the Dominican.net radio.